The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, we praise you for that power in that name, the power that did break through a veil. And Lord, as we even look at that concept today and look at that idea of that veil being torn, Lord, would you draw us closer to you? Would you uh, be magnified uh, in our presence this day? Uh, Holy Spirit of God, would you do that work, I pray in your name. Amen. Have a seat. Hey, speaking of power and influence, sorry, I forgot to mention it. I wanted to mention this during the announcements, not during the sermon. But does anybody remember last week I got up and I was griping about the daylight savings time thing? Okay, remember, Stacy and I were going to start a petition. Well, on Tuesday, they announced that uh, the Senate voted to do away with it. Uh, no, wait, to make daylight savings time permanent. So, we, <laughs> so you can't count on Congress to do what you ask, but you can ask, uh, count on them to do what you don't ask. And they, Anyway, apparently they're going to change that around. So I just wanted you to know the power and influence of Stacy and I's petition uh, that, we, that we got going there in just a couple days. I was amazed the Senate brought that up so quickly. But uh, I think they're listening right now. Uh, maybe not. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 2 is our text today. And we, uh, I need to be a good pastor again, which means I need to review just a little bit of 1 Peter chapter 1 so we understand where we're coming from here. Week one, we talked about the beginning of 1 Peter chapter 1, and we talked about the new birth, the idea that we have new life in Christ. That's what we sing about. That's what we celebrate. And the first thing we were reminded that to be born again is an incredible miracle, okay? It is not, oh, I, I went to that church, I joined the church, or I uh, got, even I got baptized, which is awesome, but uh, it's not even that. Or I prayed a prayer. Uh, anything like that. What happens when a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, turns to him for forgiveness of sin, is a miracle. Okay? God gives a whole new life. It's not adding a little dimension, adding a little spiritual dimension to a life. God gives a whole new spiritual life. And because of that, we have an inheritance in Christ that is held in the powerful hand of God. Not in our weak little hands, but in his powerful hand. Though sometimes for a while... <coughs> definitely for a while on this earth for a while we are tested uh, that faith and that new life and then then last week we finished up chapter one and we saw what this new life looks like we are called to holiness holiness means that we have a powerful life where we can now fight against sin the battle is still there but we don't have to be pushed around by our old desires because we have power we have now an eternal focus so a, a holy life is not living investing in things that don't last but in things that do and lastly, uh, a holy life last week, we saw that it's about loving the fam, the family of God in particular, uh, is, is how God puts it, because these are eternal bonds that we have, and we are called to love one another with a pure love. Okay, now, moving right along, we are going to look at uh, verses 1 through 3 of chapter 2. And... I actually, a couple weeks ago when we started this series, I said, we're going to finish up this series before Easter. That was my uh, vision. That ain't going to happen. Uh, it, was, it was a nice goal, but it's just not going to happen because I thought two weeks on chapter one, then we'll do one 
a week on every other chapter. I can't do it. It, it. There was just, it's too rich. There's too much there. In fact, at the end of last week, at the end of chapter one, it was talking about the word of God that stands forever. And we really didn't even talk about it. I thought, oh, we just did that in January and February. Talk a lot about the word of God. I'll skip over that. But then I got to a talking more. Remember the chapter divisions are not in, inspired. So after it says the word of God stands forever, it goes into this that we're going to start looking at today. And I thought, you know, I really can't skip that because Here's the thing, although it is repetition from some of the things we talked about in January and February, God's Word is constantly encouraging us to be people of the Word. Constantly encouraging us to be people of the Word. And uh, we are what we eat, and uh, my uh, commandment as a shepherd, as a pastor, is to feed the sheep and to do everything that I can to encourage you into the Word of God. So, we're going to take apart uh, these three verses here for a few minutes to start off with this. So, let's read them first. So, this is how chapter 2 begins. He says, so, okay, the Word of God stands forever. It's all connected. So, therefore, put away all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. We're going to come back and look at those five things in a second. And then, like newborn bay, infants... Long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, I want to just talk a little bit today about our spiritual appetites. And the way we're going to do that is, uh, is to kind of connect it to eating, just in general, uh, the whole process there. And I want to start in the third verse where it says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Then we're going to back up a second here. But I want to talk about that initial taste, okay, that appetizer of Jesus. The first time you taste it, and I hope, oh, I hope you can connect with this with me. I hope you can go back and remember when you first tasted Jesus and thought, you know what, Jesus is so much better than sin, so much better than where I've been living. Sadly, sometimes that little appetizer taste fades away. We'll talk about that in a minute here. But I hope you can go back and connect with this if you have tasted that the Lord is good. If that is something that you can remember, that you can go back to, to, to that day when you remember that. Um, Isaiah said, look to the rock from which you were hewn, the quarry from which you were dug. In other words, let's go back and remember what God has done in our lives. Let's go back and remember that for a few minutes. And what, what I'm hoping you can connect with, I, I hope you can. I hope this rings true to you. I hope you can remember when you first had an appetite for the Word of God. Okay, I've told this story before. One Christmas, my brother gave me a Bible. And, you know, I was like 14. I was like, hey, yeah, that's what I wanted. Uh, I, I, that really wasn't what I wanted. And uh, I thought it was kind of weird. But then I can remember later on that year when I came to know the Lord, all of a sudden, man, I was grabbing that Bible and reading it. I thought, I never, you know, a 15-year-old now is like, hey, I can't wait to get in it. But, but I tasted the Lord. And it was like I couldn't get enough of it. And, and every time the church was having something, I was signing up and, and jumping in. And my parents were like, slow down there, boy. But, man, I was so excited. I hope you can connect. I hope you can go back to that for a second. Because sadly, what happens sometimes, there are things that ruin our appetite. So our first experience, I want you to think about that first experience with Jesus. Let's consider that the appetizer, whet your appetite for the things of God. But let's now look at some things that could destroy that appetite, some junk food, because that's what's listed in the first verse. Uh, put away all malice. Okay, malice is ill will. Whenever I talk about that, when I talk about having ill will towards somebody, I like to just do this because this helps me. Would you just say, Lord, 
Is there a face that just came to mind here? Is there somebody that I'm holding on to bitterness? Because that bitterness will destroy your appetite for the things of God, or the sweetness of tasting Jesus will destroy your appetite for the bitterness. One of those things, two things is going to happen. So the first thing, uh, again, I'm not, I, I'm, I don't want to play Holy Spirit, but this is how this hits me. When I read that, I think, okay, is there a face that comes to mind? And if you say, this seems real to you, yeah, it does. Because a lot of times when God uh, you know, kind of highlights or, or says to you, hey, do you have any bitterness? There's a face pops into my mind. There's somebody maybe from my past that I haven't forgiven. Maybe somebody from this week I haven't forgiven. And I hold on to that. So I would encourage you to say, hey, one of the things that is going to destroy your appetite for the sweetness of the things of God is going to be malice. The second thing is deceit. That word is uh, the same word that is actually used for like baiting a hook in the Bible. Peter would connect with this as a fisherman. Is that I, I mean, that's what you do, fishermen. You deceive. Admit it. Uh, you're trying to make them think that that hook is not a hook, uh, that it is just breakfast, and, and that, that's what you're practicing there. But uh, it says if we're, if we're manipulating, trying to get what we want through deception, that is another area of junk food in our lives when we're practicing deceit. The third uh, thing there is hypocrisy. Uh, the root of that word comes from the idea of being an actor. Back in the Greek, you know, the, the hypocrites were the, the actors, those who played a part. This is why it's so crucial that we strive for reality and a real environment here. I was talking to my son this week. He, um, he was presented with an opportunity to go back into ministry. He had served as a youth pastor for a couple years. Uh, last few years, he's been a teacher. But uh, he was presented with the opportunity, and as we were talking about it, he said, Dad, one of the things I struggle with in ministry, he said, a lot of times I felt like a phony. I felt like an actor because he said the things that I should want to do, I was doing because I had to do. Now, I can connect with that, to be honest with you. Uh, I will stand up here, and you will hear me say many weeks that I couldn't wait to get here. I want to share the Word of God. I'm excited. I'm not lying to you, but I, wanted, but I do want to point out, I don't say that every week. Because there are weeks when I don't even want to come. <laughs> there, and honestly, there's not a lot. If you ever get to the place where this is a common thing, I'll quit. Don't worry. Uh, but, uh, but there are some weeks when I'm like, eh, I don't want to go to church today. You know, my old Francis has to shut me out the door. Uh, yeah, but I need quiet time. Get out of here. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, there are some weeks when I like that. And I cannot, I, I want to be transparent. I don't want to, you know it's all good uh, when it's not. But, yeah, but I can't really walk in here and just say, oh, man. <laughs> or I can't just not show up. Well, yeah, man, pastor didn't feel like coming today. <laughs> so we're out of here. Uh, I can't do it. So there's sometimes when, and, you know, to a degree that is part of life in that sometimes you just kind of have to suck it up and go, you know, sometimes you have to. But if that becomes the place where that's all I'm doing even in my Christian life, where I'm putting on an act and a phone, and that, that's why I think it is so crucial that we work uh, through our small groups and just through friendships and just through saying to somebody, hey, let's have breakfast sometime. We work to have a place where we can just be transparent as could be. Hey, I really struggle with this. No, my marriage is not a picnic right now. In fact, we're going through a very rough time. No, uh, yes, I do struggle with pornography pornography. Yes, I am, you know, whatever, whatever. You fill in the blank as to the things that, hey, you know, no, it's not a piece of cake. Life is hard right now. It's so important, I think, that we have this because we can get where we're just going through the motions. And that is always going to be the criticism of churches, you know, oh, there's a bunch of hypocrites there. And I said this before, you know, you can come back with a clever little response. Well, then you'll fit right in. Come on. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, 
The reason why that is said is because we do foster an environment sometimes that leads to acting. Okay, we've got to pretend, you know, the I'm fine movement. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm not having trouble. And, you know, again, I don't want, you know, everybody we talk to, I'm greeting at the door. Hey, how you doing today? Terrible, man, my life stinks. <laughs> how you doing today? Terrible, man, my life stinks. Yeah, I'm not saying we have to do that. But I am saying we want to develop an environment where people don't have to put on the show all the time, where they can be honest. You with me? So somebody, yeah, put, yeah, that's good stuff, Pastor. I don't care who you are. Okay, uh, okay, hypocrisy and then envy. Envy is probably that. This is weird, but they say it is the least confessed sin. I don't know who keeps stats, but uh, uh, we don't uh, we don't like to acknowledge that because it's really a very ugly thing. I've said this before, and nobody ever connects with this. When the Bible talks about that, we are to rejoice with those who rejoice, and we are to uh, mourn or weep with those who weep. Okay, and I always ask the question, like in a small group, I'll say, which of those is harder? My response is different than everybody else's. I have no trouble mourning with those who mourn. But when somebody else is having it good and I'm not, I have a hard time. But every time I ask that in a small group, they're like, eh, no. <laughs> We're not like that. So maybe this is just my problem, but I need it at this point. Okay, so bear with me like that. You know, sometimes there's, a, there's an envy there, and this comes in. And again, it's junk food. And, uh, and it destroys that appetite that I had for the things of God. And the last one is slander, uh, literally meaning talking down uh, about people, uh, talking down to people. Okay, so we start off with the idea, the appetizer. You taste it and you saw that the Lord is good. If you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, well, we are going to put away all these things because uh, we want this appetite. We want this relationship with the Word of God. And these things are the junk food. Instead of that junk food, like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, not that 2% stuff, uh, that by it you may grow up into salvation, okay? I want you to have an appetite for that. And I should point this out. Some of you think, well, people aren't supposed to be babies wanting milk. This is not a rebuke here. There is a passage in Scripture where it says you're still eating milk and you need to move on to some more things. What this is, is this is an encouragement to have this craving for the Word of God like a baby craves milk. Uh, my granddaughter, uh, I'm excited I get to see her this afternoon, but uh, she, uh, I call her Jack-Jack. Uh, if any of you have ever seen The Incredibles, uh, and The Incredibles too, they get a little baby in there that uh, you know, can be real happy and then all of a sudden this it just goes crazy. That is, that is Karis. I mean, she can be the happiest little kid and then it's like something says, you're hungry. And it's like, ah! Uh, and she will just scream and there's no stopping her. And, you know, and they won't ever take her out of the car seat. I know I'm an old guy. I'm like, get that kid out of the car seat and feed her. But they won't. Uh, so you're just trapped in the car with a screaming kid at the top of her lung. Uh, she wants to be fed. Okay? That's, that's what she wants more, more than anything. That's what it's saying. Hey, we are to crave like those infants crave milk. Like, I, I got to have it and keep feeding me because they want to grow. And, again, not that junky stuff, not the 2% later. They want the whole milk. Why? They're trying to grow. They're trying to get healthy. And simple truth is this. We will not grow as Christians without the Word of God. Let me say that again. We will not grow as Christians without the Word of God. That is our food. That's where it is. So what the Bible is doing there is it's encouraging us to have an appetite, to have a craving for it. I heard a story this week about a guy in Iowa, in a little town in Iowa. Guys from Iowa. Uh, but, uh, sorry, I just thought of somebody from Iowa. But, uh, but in a little town in Iowa, I guess it's a very Catholic town in Iowa, but he was a Lutheran, okay? And uh, every Friday evening during, uh, 
I'm not up on all of them, but, but during Lent or whatever like that, when the Catholics were not eating meat, they were just eating fish, he would have a great barbecue going at his house in this little town in Iowa. And then, you know, the smell would just fill the whole town, uh, this car- barbecue. And the people started coming to the priest and saying, can we do something about him? Because <laughs> this is, 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 is tough, this guy. So the priest thought, okay, you know, uh, I'll give it a shot. And he goes over there and talks to the guy, and he talked to him about converting to Catholicism. And the guy finally agrees. He says, yeah, I'll become a Catholic. And they have a big ceremony at the church where this one guy that had been the holdout, the Lutheran, is becoming a Catholic. And during the ceremony, the, the priest is there, you know, you were born a Lutheran and you were raised a Lutheran, but today you become a Catholic. Uh, like that. And everybody says, this is great. Our problems are over. This is great. Well, next Friday night comes along and guys grilling away. He's got his ribs going again. Uh, he's having a great time. The smells fill, filling the town and having a good time. And the, uh, the people call up the priest and say, you got to go talk to him. He's missing it. Uh, and so the priest comes up and he stands over and he, he, he listens over the fence and he, hears the, uh, and he hears this guy saying, you were born a steak. You were raised a steak, but now you're a fish. <laughs> Boom! Like that. And, and uh, so anyway, kind of the whole plan kind of backfired. Uh, but you think about that craving, you know, sometimes that you, that you have, whatever, that craving for beef, that craving for, you know, that, that you have to have. What the Scripture is saying here is we, we are to crave the meat of the Word of God. We are to crave the milk of the Word of God. We are to crave the Word of God. Okay, and we want to develop that. So you say, hey, if that's missing, if that has faded, first of all, I'm going to encourage you to look at that junk food that might have creeped into our life and, and confess that. Secondly, I'm going to encourage you to say, dear God, would you give me that appetite for the Word of God? And I'm not saying that all year. If, if, you know, if I'm talking about getting into the Word and that ain't floating your boat, I really encourage you just to start each day by saying, Lord, would you give me a hunger for your Word? Because you are not going to grow as a Christian without the Word of God. Did I mention that? Okay, because I, you know, I'm getting old, and sometimes I repeat myself, and I don't know what I'm saying there. So if I happen to say that again, uh, you'll know it's because I'm seeing now. Okay, let's go on a little bit. We're going to read. Uh, now we're going to begin in chat. Oh, I forgot. So the first thing. Sorry, I forgot my super-duper acrostic points. Or, uh, I'm sorry, alliterate points, not acrostic. Uh, the first thing we need is a trained palate, okay? kind of kills it now that I was already moved on to the next point. But we need a trained palate to love the Word of God. Okay, let's go on to verse number four. Now, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. That would describe someone named Jesus. Uh, you yourselves like living stones. Here's what's happening to us. Okay, now we have this new life. Uh, we're growing in the Lord. We're growing in the Word of God. So now we are becoming living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now we're going to come back to this priesthood here in a second, but let's see what God is doing here. God is building us up into this holy place, into this holy uh, building. You know, we uh, in the temple, uh, that was definitely seen as the dwelling place of God. Let me explain something. In the New Testament, we are called to be part of a group where God's presence is made known. Okay, we are called now to be part of a group where God's presence is made known. Now, this, if you were in here yesterday, I mentioned the smell of chip, Chick-fil-A filled the room. And uh, actually, body odor was a little stronger. The Chick-fil-A was good. Uh, but it was also a bunch of kids who just played basketball. And back in that section back there was a bounce house. Or, I'm sorry, a bounce mat. It was supposed to be for jousting, but they never did that. They just jumped around. Uh, but anyway, they were back there having a good time. You say, well, that's downright disrespectful to the holy sanctuary of God. 
listen, you can call this the sanctuary, the auditorium, the worship center, whichever like that. Let me tell you where God dwells. Boom, right there in the hearts of believers. Okay, this is, I mean, I think we ought to take care of the place that God gives us to meet and, and minister and everything like that. But this is not the house of God. You don't ride by, by there, you know, see if God's home. I thought I'm going to knock on the door. Uh, don't do that. God lives in the hearts of believers. So what happens here is now we have this new life in Christ and God is raising us up to be part of the spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Uh, let's go on and read a little bit more. Uh, for as stands, okay, now we're, we're going to quote Isaiah. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. Sorry, anytime I say cornerstone, i got to remind you of this idea. And Jesus is our cornerstone. That means he is the thing which every other person is to be measured against. Okay, when you're laying, laying bricks, you got to lay up the corners first and get them right. And then you put a guideline so that everything else is measured to that cornerstone. If you don't do that, if you just start at one end and go to the other, the one gets off a little bit and the next one, well, that's off a little bit more. And the next one gets off a little bit more and you have a mess. You have to measure each one back to the cornerstone. He is our measure, Jesus Christ. Okay, he is the cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. You know that. So the honor uh, is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Now, and the stone uh, of stumbling and a rock of offense. There are some aspects to the person of Jesus Christ that are offensive. We cannot, I talked about us having a trained palate for the Word of God. We cannot work to make Jesus palatable for everybody. You know, this is a, this is a Jesus that people want to believe in. Good for them, but the, but the Jesus that the Scripture describes is the Jesus that God chose as a perfect sacrifice. And we can't make it, and for some people, they're just not going to go that way. No, I don't, I don't like this whole idea of Jesus, and he's the only way, and the Son of God, and these things like that. I'm not going there. And it becomes an offense to them. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you, we're going to come back to this verse in a minute here, but you are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies. That's the phrase I said we want to make sure we get. Uh, again, the King James says, sing forth the praises of him, or show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you did not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. There's that idea we talked about last week. This world is not our eternal home. We want to have an eternal focus because here we're just sojourners. We're exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good works and glorify God on the day of visitation. Now, we're going to come back to some ideas in there in a second. But just as this passage tells us we want to have a trained palate, it also talks about a fulfilled promise. And I mentioned this passage is so rich. I'm not hitting everything in here, but one of the things I think the Holy Spirit had kind of highlighted that I should share today is this idea of that we are now a royal priesthood. God makes us a royal priesthood. Okay, now, why is that such a big deal? The priest was very exclusive. You had to be a male descendant of Aaron. You, and only you, were allowed into what was called the presence of God. Okay, into the Holy of Holies. You and only you, if you were a priest. So, for a lot of the Old Testament worshipers, they would come together, and no other way to say this, worship was a spectator sport. 
They watched this go on, and they watched this go on, and they watched this go on because they had to watch the priest. Why? Now, we, we sang about something in, uh, I think it was in the last song. We sang about the veil being torn. That hadn't happened yet. The veil that they're talking about was the veil that was uh, kept people out of the Holy of Holies, kept people out of the presence of God, kept that holy God separate. When Jesus laid down his life, the Bible says that veil was torn. Okay, in a couple of weeks we'll look at that more at Easter time as the tailing of the uh, the tearing of that veil. But what happened there then is God was giving access to us because God says, "Here's your fulfilled promise. You are now a royal priest. You have been given a royal priesthood." And, and I I cannot emphasize this enough, and I know this is repeat uh, when I say this. I am always glad. If you have a prayer request, please share it with me. I am always glad to pray for you. But I never want you to think, oh, if the pastor prays, he's got special access to God. I have no special access to God. Well, I do, but it's the same one you have. God has given me a royal priesthood through Jesus Christ. Okay? That's the, that's the promise, that God has made me a priest. And so the first thing we look at with the strained palate is that idea of the need for the Word of God. The second thing we look at is this idea of prayer, and I can go to Him at any time, for He has opened that door. Okay? So what, uh, you, what happened here is God turned the observers of worship into participants in worship. And may I remind you that we're not here to watch. Okay, you're not here to watch. You say, well, how do we worship? One of the ways is singing his praises. Another way is loving other people and caring about other people. And can I encourage you this so much that we keep this in mind? Uh, I've come to minister. I've come to serve. I've come to live for him. So what, one of the things I want to do each and every time I'm here is to look around and say, God, who would you have me minister to today? Is there somebody, maybe it's a dear friend that... Uh, uh, you know, God, would you show me who I need to talk to? God, maybe there's somebody that I've never met before, but I want to go over and just talk to him and just say, hey, <laughs> welcome. You know, real simple. Get to, know, get to know him for a second. It's very simple. But worship and our gathering together is not supposed to be just a spectator sport. God is building us up into this spiritual house and talked about uh, advancing his kingdom like an outpost of heaven. Okay, now, let me... Uh, Highlight this, okay? So you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. And then let's go to the other part here for a second as we talk about the idea we are, we are to have a trained palate, a we have a fulfilled promise, and then, there, then he talks about a declared praise. So let's go back to our verse number 9. A people of his possession that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. The scripture also said we had not obtained mercy, but now we have because we have been given God's mercy. Now we no longer are slaves to the passions that war against our soul. The Bible talks about we are to live honorably. I, um, um, yesterday, kind of an uh, interesting day because our upward season wrapped up here. And then I went to a funeral yesterday afternoon and, uh, when Upward first came to town, the very first year that it was here, my son was in sixth grade, so he, he played one year before he was out of Upward. And the guy that coached a team with me is a guy named Steve Hendershot. Uh, some of you may know who Steve is, but anyway, Steve uh, went to heaven this past Tuesday. And uh, so his funeral was yesterday. And at his funeral, his daughter and son read a testimony that he had written. He, did, he didn't die suddenly, and he had some time to write up his testimony. And it was interesting. Steve was, uh, 
another way to describe it. Steve, Steve had it all. He had it going on. Okay, Steve was a very intelligent guy as valedictorian of his class. He was, I don't know if he was Indiana's Mr. Basketball or the all-time leading scorer at the time or something. He was an incredible athlete, uh, really good. Just a sharp guy, good-looking guy. And really, I would even say a humble guy. It wasn't like he was arrogant or rubbed you the wrong way or anything like that. He was just a good guy. But in his testimony, he said this, my whole life, I just didn't know why I would need God. You know, kind of like I... I I could solve any problem, you know, I, I did stuff like that. I didn't really need God. And then throughout his testimony, he talked about how God brought him to a place where he knew how much he needed God. He needed a Savior. He needed Jesus Christ. And even through the journey, it was a seven-year journey to fight against his disease. And, as he did, and he talked about in that whole thing how he kept realizing how much he needed God. And I thought just about our world in general and you know you go back to the garden of eden and the first temptation was the idea of when you eat this fruit you'll become as gods and i thought about just that whole idea that individuals that's what we, we always want to control everything and uh i don't need god and as a society mankind in general thinks he can take away all the evils of the world and all the bad things can happen and he's always trying to do that and again it's like i don't really need god i don't, I don't really need him and that really does describe where our world is so often and why our world gets scrambled so often is basically we don't need god we, we don't need him we are called as his children to show forth the praises to proclaim the excellencies and there will never be or i'm sorry there has never been there may be a time when that is more important and more crucial that our lives these new lives that we have in christ be on display okay and again well what's it look like well it's 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 not a hypocritical show obviously that's just going to hurt us uh but it is as we are growing in the Lord Jesus Christ through the Word. You don't have to say, oh, hey, here's how I'm going to put forth a good testimony. What you want to do is actually have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, walking in His Word, and God will take care of the rest. You're not going to be perfect, I guarantee you, okay? But what you are, but what God, but God will take that, and He will build us into this spiritual house that is an embassy, if you will. You are an embassy of the kingdom of God that we proclaim forth that in the world to, to this newness of life. This is what God calls us to do. Now, we don't do a, a lot of church voting around here. Uh, sorry, but no, 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 don't have a lot. We're going to take a church vote for a second. We need to, we need to leave praising the Lord. Okay, I'm gonna, we're going to give you. Can I give two choices here, Adam, from our songs? Or you already got one picked out. <laughs> I'd love to hear him say that. Uh, true or not, I'd love to hear him say that. Uh, okay, but, uh, okay, so we're, we're going to sing about Jesus one way or another, okay? You're going to go out of here singing about Jesus and claiming it. Are we going to sing, speak Jesus, uh, I speak the name of Jesus, or are we going to sing, what a beautiful name it is? Okay, we're going to go out, out singing. So you want to take a vote? Don't normally do this, but we've got, got to go out proclaiming that. You see, Um, I was going to invite the worship team to come on up as we get ready. They might stand there for a minute because I wasn't done talking, but, uh, but, but they'll be ready to go. God gives us a business model, if you will, for the spread of the gospel. Okay, those of you that think in terms of get a business model, get a plan. And it is not all that complicated. It really is God puts his Holy Spirit inside of us. And that new life that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, that new life in Christ begins to grow. Now, 
Remember, come on, come on. Hey, in fact, I'm not going to say I hope you feel this. I'm going to say I know you feel this if you know Jesus Christ. You know what that excitement is like when you first taste Jesus. And you say, good night. This, why was I missing this? But it is sad that these other things creep in and they, they kill our appetite for that. This junk food that comes into our life. Uh, our list of five that we had there and some more things take away. But, uh, but we ask God to give us that hunger, that taste, that craving again for his word and for the things of him, for that sweetness of knowing him and walking with him. And as we do that, we grow. And a holy life, well, that doesn't mean I'm walking around going, you know, uh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to mock anybody with that. I really didn't. But you know what I mean. It, it's not I'm putting on a monk's robe or, you know, having a little bald spot on top of my head. Well, I got that, but, uh, but we won't get into that. The, but what it means is that new life in Christ is growing. And I don't have to get a billboard, flashing billboard. It'll become obvious because God is forming in us this spiritual building, okay? So that, that's where it is. So why did God bring you here today? Is it, is it because, you know, very specifically to address the whole idea of an appetite or a craving for God and training your palate for him? Is it because he wants you to know that in Christ you have been given a priesthood to go into his presence? You don't need me. You don't need anybody. All you need is Jesus Christ. He ushers you into the presence of God. And, uh, and is it because he wants to challenge you to realize that we are called to show forth the praises and declare? We can do that together right now. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269 663 2648. Thank you for listening.